Hey, friends. Today, I'm talking with Finka Yurkovic. She is an author of the book called Sell from Love, and we're going to be talking all about selling authentically. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right. I am so excited to introduce Finka Yurkovic to you guys. She's an author, international speaker, workshop leader, and coach. As president of Finca Communications, Inc., she consults with clients in areas of personal branding, leadership, sales, client experience, and employee engagement. She brings over two decades of experience in corporate Canada with an expertise in sales, leadership, communication, and coaching. She believes when you bring authentic leadership and a mission-based mindset to business, you can achieve inner fulfillment, outer success, and leave a transformational impact. With all that said, I also wanted to let you guys know her book, Self from Love, is fantastic. Since the time I recorded this interview, I've fully read it and I cannot recommend it more highly. I would love for you guys to take some time to check it out. I did link it in the show notes. And as always, you can find the transcript of this recording in the show notes as well. All right, Finca, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show. Well, thank you, Brittany, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm actually really interested in this conversation, and I already said this to you offline, so for you, it's a repeat, but for the audience, I literally opened this call by saying, I'm really excited to talk with you because I'm one of those people who sells because I have to, not because I love it. So I would <laughs> really like for you to just kind of take it away from there because I know love is a big deal for you. It is. It is. And especially when we're selling. And so I've got this notion of when we can love ourselves, love our client, you know, the person that you're meant to work with and the person that you're, you're here to serve and love the thing that we're selling, all of a sudden selling doesn't feel like we're doing something that's like this out of body experience that I've got to contort or manipulate myself in being someone who I'm not, or trying to pretend something that I have to be in order to get a client to buy from me. So I'd love to, if we can, I'm going to pose the two ways I've been taught to sell, sometimes directly, sometimes not directly so much, and see what your what your take is on it. Because the very first business coach I ever had basically had a sales script, and it went on far too long in terms of minutes, in my opinion. But it was like six or seven steps, something along the lines, and it was like, get them to talk about their pain, tell them why you can alleviate their pain. And from a marketer's standpoint, I'm very well versed with pain points. But I never felt comfortable in that sales script because I always felt like I was dangling a carrot. And then if they didn't answer the way I wanted to, I would sit there and be like, but you didn't eat my carrot. Now, what do I do? And I'm not great with small talk. Like Small talk's never been my strong suit. I'm an introvert. And I always felt really awkward in those kinds of sales conversations. So I moved on from that style and then started doing just, you know, kind of meet you calls. I refused to call them discovery calls. I refused to call them strategy calls. And it's like, hey, let's just talk about what you want and then I'll tell you whether I'm a good fit or not. And for me, that's actually worked much better. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I'm not awkward because I still am very awkward at times. But at least for me, it made it less cringeworthy. You know, those are two different ways in which we can sell. I too am an introvert. I am not really good at a lot of small talk. I'm like, go deep or go home. Like, let's get into it. Let's go deep. And we can do a lot of stuff when we go there. 
So let's go for the first way of selling the six to seven steps that you need to take a client through or a potential client through with a script. I recently went through that experience and because I knew they were going through the process, I actually didn't buy from them. I did not hire from them because they were following a script. The problem with that is you're not really listening to me. You're not really, uh, really wanting to understand my needs and my problems and my challenges because you're actually just wanting to navigate me through a selling process that will, and then eventually have me feel the pain so much that I'm supposedly going to say yes, because you've done a really good job of, you know, nailing down these seven steps of feel the pain so bad. Here's the dream state you want to feel. Oh, now what, what's, what's going to hold you back from getting in? Why do you really want it now? Till then apparently I'm going to open up my, you know, credit cards and, and, and swipe and say, Hey, yeah, I want to buy from you. It doesn't work. Like it can work for some people where it feels authentic to you. I think when we're aligned to that process and that way of selling, it can work because what happens is you lose the script. You stop with the six to seven points. You're actually present with your client. You're open, you're listening, you're hearing them and their perspective. And that's where we're listening from versus guiding them through our process. And then I'm going to say for us introverts, sometimes the script actually helps because if I don't, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so it's like, what am I going to ask now? Oh, there's the inventory questions. Let me just ask the next question. Like, so sometimes it can actually be a good tool. So where I would encourage people is if you are struggling, sometimes the script works because it actually gets you in the process and act of having the conversation, but don't go in thinking this is the be all and end all. This is just a, almost like training wheels. Let's put some wheels on. Let's figure out what this conversation could look like using a script in someone's, you know, seven step system, but then eventually figure out what yours is, figure out what your questions are. How do you stay present? How do you listen actively? How do you ask open-ended questions? How do you truly connect with your client, which is what you figured out? And I love what you also did, Brittany, was shying away from calling it a discovery call or a strategy call, because what those calls actually are more about us than our client, right? And so when you're actually saying, Hey, I really just want to know more about you. It's a meet. It's a, let's, let's get to know about what your needs are. And if we are a match, all of a sudden it has nothing to do with you. What you're actually looking is what it's most important to you, uh, client, what do you want? What's, what's top of mind for you? And am I the ideal person to help you? If not, I might recommend a friend or a colleague, or you're going to be, you know, maybe even recommend some resources, but then they'll be on their way. But it's not about a strategy call on how I'm going to close you. Cause that's not what selling from love. The way I, I like to look at it is all about. So I, you're, you're bang on, on the way on how do we sell that feels in integrity and in intact. So how did you come to this? I mean, I've, I've seen a fair number of sales coaches, shall we, shall we say, And I think everyone probably kind of developed their own process after being disappointed with somebody else's process, or or, or even if not disappointed, just feeling like it wasn't aligned, right? So for me, I've been selling, I'm going to say, I would say most of my career, if not all of my career. And I spent over two decades in financial services. So I was a financial advisor who had to sell financial products, investments, loans, mortgages, business loans, and lines of credits. Then I went into sales strategy and sales communication. So I would build sales curriculum for leaders to go out and implement with their sales teams. And then eventually I became a sales leader. And then after that, I actually became a sales coach for, for uh, executives in the financial services industry. 
how I learned this way is going, it was most of the time was because I made many mistakes. <laughs> so anytime I felt out of integrity, out of alignment, or I felt like I was selling something that wasn't true to how I felt in my heart or connected, all of a sudden my selling didn't work. And when I sold from a place of, I really want to put my client first, I didn't feel like I needed to be someone else. So I showed up authentically and really owned my gifts and my unique talents and skills and my personal brand and what I bring to the table. I sat there and wanted to understand and listen to my clients. I didn't, I'm going to say when we sell from this place of love, numbers are important because we need to make revenue. We need to build sustainable businesses that are going to provide for our families and our, our businesses and our employees and our communities. But that's not the priority. That is a, an effect, not the cause I'm going for. My cause is how do I serve my client? The side effect of that is they're going to reward me with financial remuneration in some way. And so when we made it, so for me, when I lost my way was, especially in the financial world was when I made, especially when our leaders and our organizations made targets, sales numbers, revenue, the priority, and that's what we measured versus clients, conversations and transformations that I was able to do for my clients or facilitate. And then it was interesting when I became a business owner uh, back in 2013, part-time and then in 2015, full-time. Oh, Brittany, it was like I, you know, I had spent 20 years in the financial services selling my whole career. And then I got amnesia. I forgot. I totally forgot how to sell. <laughs> it was like all of a sudden I was learning this new skill called entrepreneurship. And it's like I forgot everything else I knew. And I think that's often what happens that especially when we start in something new or you start a business in some way that all of a sudden you forget your expertise and all this goodness you came with up until this point. And then I felt like I had to, I started from scratch again. And like what you just described, I started following other people's methods. I started, you know, doing the seven step, do the, you know, 12 week marketing funnel. And it was the crappiest feeling ever. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, please. I bought into a coaching program that was teaching this, you know, 12 week method of, you know, build these emails, do these webinars make sure you have these early birds and all this wonderful stuff. And it was May 1st was the deadline of my first early bird for this course that I was selling. And if I tell you the, the name of the course, you're going to laugh. So the, the name of the course is called The Daring Introvert. All right. <laughs> so I'm selling this course. I was exhausted. So it was like the eve of May 1st because I was selling out of integrity. I was so tired because of the marketing campaign just took the life out of me. I'm like, I don't even know if I can have energy to teach this course now that by May 1st, the eve of May 1st, when the ticker was going like sign up now, or the early bird is gone. I had so much fear in me, which is the opposite of selling from love. I, that night was praying. I hope no one signs up so that I could take this course off my website. So I don't have to teach it because I don't want it anymore. I was just so out of alignment. And then, and I'll say, thankfully, uh, no one did buy because I would have been awful. It would have been not a program that I wanted to teach. I would have pulled through it, but I would have been burnt by the end of it. And thankfully, no one did. And then, you know, I, I scrapped that model. And in the fall of that same year, I launched the real course, My Way. And it was super successful, you know? Funny how that works out, right? <laughs> I know. I think a lot of people listening to this are going to have very similar stories, if not identical, but, you know, 
on the same vein at least, right? Because we've all been in that place where we're like, this is what I want to do. And then we hear someone else say, but you have to do it this way. And it's that slippery slope. You 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 move from exactly what you want to do to just just a little bit off. And, and then you add this one other thing and now you're a little bit further. And then all of a sudden you're like way down at the bottom of the hill there. And it's a steep climb back up if you can't get back to your original purpose. Absolutely. Our biggest dream killer is distraction. And so the thing that is going to pull us away from our biggest, our goals for our business, the intentions we have on what we want to help our clients with, how much we want to grow our business so we can, you know, provide the life experiences we want for ourselves and for our families. The fact that, you know, shiny object syndrome is alive and well, as soon as you wake up in the morning and you, you know, you go on that Instagram page or your LinkedIn or that Facebook, it is wired to keep us away from our life, the way we live and the business that you want to have for yourself, because it's going to distract you. So you might say this quarter, like I have, so I'm going to say, Brittany, like even as someone who is so committed to like, how do I sell from love and not fear the, the world is, the system is wired to instill fear in us. Right. And so for me, it's just like, how do, how do you continue to not get distracted from what you want to be doing and what your purpose is. That's all we have to do. If you can stay the course, you're going to get there. But how do you do that in a way that you don't get distracted? Because that's actually what's going to hold us back. You know, it's interesting that you, the way you said it, like, how can you stay the course without getting distracted? And I think while you were saying that, I had this instant vision of a, a moment about a year ago. My husband first came home working from home at the beginning of the pandemic, and suddenly I was hearing all of his calls. So my husband's in sales for tech, but I started hearing how he was selling, how he was talking to his clients, how he was talking to his team members. And, you know, I just sat back for a little while and, you know, we were in different rooms, but like, you know, we have all hardwood floors, sound bounces around. And, and I waited a few weeks and then I was like, you know, honey, um, you're talking over your people. I don't know whether you're always doing this to clients or whether it's like your team members or, or, or whatnot. And it turns out it was like the Zoom delay was just awful. Or, or for him, I don't think it was Zoom. I think it was Microsoft Teams or, or whatnot. And he was like, yeah, I know. And then there's this. And I was like, I know, but I'm only hearing one side and it doesn't sound good. <laughs> and then he actually, you know, he took my advice to heart and he spent so much time focused on not doing that, that he actually was forgetting to do what he was supposed to doing, which is demonstrating how the product could really add value to his, you know, potential clients' lives. And he had to find his own equilibrium. And then it's so funny because he did the exact same thing to me. He heard me on a few client calls and he was like, you have your selling voice on. What do you mean, hun? He's like, your voice gets higher when you're talking about something. And I was like, oh, this is not good. So then, of course, I became super conscious of my quote unquote, selling voice. So all that to say, like, how do you address these things? I know you're talking about selling from love. I know it's the opposite of fear, but there's all these little things that can distract you. And some of them are probably necessary distractions so that you can work through some of these issues and get back to that place of love. But like, what about the in-between time? I'm going to say at most times we are always in between it. You know, so life happens in between fear and love. And what we want to be paying attention to is, you know, in this moment, is this thought, is this feeling, is this action moving me closer to love or closer to fear? 
And so if we can just kind of turn on the radar and have that. So when you get feedback, Hey, I notice you have your selling voice on, you can pause for a moment and say, okay, is that selling voice, the voice of fear, or is that a selling voice from love? And, and just have that internal conversation with yourself. The same then goes for, you could be on Instagram and all of a sudden you look at your time and you're like, I've been on here for 20 minutes. And it's like, is that actually moving you closer to fear or closer to love? And so we can actually use the fear and love concept as a way to just do check-ins. So what I encourage a lot of people to do, especially when they just come into this context of learning how to sell from love is monitor yourself for a week, create eight reminders through your day. And in that moment, as the reminder comes on, take, um, I, I love to have it on an Excel spreadsheet, but for those of you that aren't interested in actually logging it, just take a moment, just to self-reflect and say, is this thought action or behavior, is it moving me closer to love or closer to fear? And then that's all you need to do because what we want to do is actually just create more awareness, more consciousness in what we're doing. Because when we are absorbed, meaning whether with we're a client or crafting a marketing funnel or with our kids or with our husband or in a client interaction or on social media, you're not actually paying to that attention to that stuff. But if you can deliberately put in, you know, eight interruptions through the day that has, that forces you to check in with yourself, all of a sudden you can just start telling yourself, which way am I moving? in towards love or away from love and towards fear. And then all of a sudden you can start creating more awareness. I love that. And I love how you actually applied it to so many other things because you're right. We're all told, oh, don't spend too much time doing this. Spend enough time doing this. And you can attach fear to basically any activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to even, let's say, let's use your podcast, the no like trust. You know, you can even use it looking at it from that construct, let's even use the eight times a day. Is this activity helping me build no like trust with my family, my clients, my colleagues, the people that I want to connect with, right? So how can you, you know, especially people listening to your podcast, they want to learn how to build more of that in the work that they're doing, even using that as a construct of checking yourself, checking in with yourself throughout the day, because Everything else, again, let's go back to, you know, distraction is going to be our number one dream killer. So how do you keep yourself not getting distracted? Put checkpoints through your day to monitor if you're in alignment to yourself, to selling from love or some fear, or in your case, being closer to building a no like trust factor. Well, thanks for that. That's awesome. You're welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I tell my clients in particular a lot is that marketing isn't all that scary. It's really just knowing what you're good at it being so good at it, you can't help but not help others with it. And then learning how to talk about it. That's that's really what marketing is. And I, I feel kind of that same vibe, I guess, from you about selling. It's really just aligning yourself, aligning what you're selling, and then aligning to your actual client's needs. And that depends on a couple things from from my perspective, at least. And, and I say this because a lot of my clients really struggle with knowing the positioning of their offer. And I actually read probably this morning on my morning Instagram perusal, I don't remember who said it, so I'm probably plagiarizing the crap out of someone right now. But I know I read someone saying that you know lead generation and sales are never going to help you if you don't have your offer cemented. And it was interesting seeing as how we had this interview coming up. And I was like, you know, that's actually a really good point. You can sell from love. But if you're selling an offer that's not aligned, is it really selling from love? Yeah. And, and that makes it 
difficult to sell something that you don't love or you're not aligned with. And so in order to sell from love, you need to love yourself, which means you need to own all of those beautiful gifts you bring plus the ones you don't. So you got to be okay with, you're not going to be awesome at everything. You need to love your clients. So fully know who they are, what their needs are, what their, what transformation they're seeking. And that's so you intimately can understand their point of view and their perspective. But then that third piece is you got to love the thing you're selling. Sometimes I know when I was, especially when I was like, you know, selling investments and mortgages, like I didn't love mortgages and investments. So what we have to fall in love with is what the, I call that the transaction, what the transaction does for our clients. And you got to love the transformation. So I didn't love the mortgage or line of credit. What I loved was the peace of mind or the dream home it gave my clients. I loved the feeling they got because they got to have peace of mind because they had the retirement plan that will help them, you know, do the things they wanted to do when they retired. That's what we fall in love with. Now, sometimes that might not be enough to fall in love with our offer. And so for the time being, until you figure out how to fall in love with your offer, what you need to love is, because sometimes like I, I, I think of even the clients that I help, you know, they're like, you know, they might not love what they're selling or believe it enough that it's going to give the transformation to the client that they're looking to serve with. So they're building a, a new program or a new curriculum. And they're like, I love this, but I, I'll love it more if I know it'll work. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, it yeah. work, right. I love it more if it does, if I know it will work. So what we have to love is the fact that by selling it, you're going to love the transformation it gives you, meaning you're going to learn something because you put it out there. You're going to learn if it's going to work, if it's going to deliver the results for your clients. You're going to sell some, so you're going to actually make some money, which you're going to love the fact that you're going to be able to put food on the table and provide for your family. So we got to find, sometimes it's not always about the thing we're selling. We got to find what are the, almost like the, the effect again, not the cause that offers the cause, the effect the offer gives. And that's what we're actually falling in love with. You just made that such an eloquent thing. I love how you said that because- you're right. I think we've all had to sell things, even things that we did believe in. I look at back at myself a couple years ago, and I was selling a package I really, truly believed in, but I didn't believe all my clients would actually make it work for them because I could tell some of them just weren't going to do the work. And it was difficult for me because I was like, no, 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 this is a great offer, but you actually have to do the work for the offer to be great. And the way you just described that, if I could have heard that two years ago, I think I would have had a much easier time with that particular offer <laughs> because it was hard to sell in that rain. Yeah, it is. And and sometimes, you know, we have to also just trust that we know when we're selling, especially when we're selling our own products and services that we created, and especially if we're using our own experiences, our own intellectual property, our own kind of collective wisdom and packaging that to serve our clients through coaching, consulting, and advice, all of a sudden, there's like this personal investment we start making in our products because part of us is invested in that product. And all of a sudden we become a little bit more attached to the solution. So this is where fear kind of sneaks back in again. And all of a sudden that identification with our product or service actually muddles up how we sell because all of a sudden, and I, I'm going to say, I know this because I speak from plentiful experience, um, <laughs> because all of a sudden, if 
Brittany, so Brittany, I'm going to sell you this thing, this service, the advice, this coaching program, this consulting package, uh, this training curriculum. I'm selling you this thing, but Brittany, if you don't buy it, if you don't get the transformation that I'm promising, it might mean something about me, the seller of it. That I'm wrong. I'm wrong or something. It was a bad idea or, and, and all of a sudden this personal investment, especially when we sell ideas, advice, coaching, consulting, guidance in some capacity, our personal identity, AKA our ego gets invested. And that is fears like, ah, like oyster, like it loves it there. It loves it there. So because I personally am someone who sells services and information products, everything I sell is something that came from me, like just straight up. There's no way to avoid that. And I think in the last few years, I have actually done a lot of good work in separating me from what I offer. And I think that package that I referenced a few minutes ago actually was a big part of that, was me realizing I can give them all the information, but if they don't do that, it doesn't reflect on me. It reflects on their ability and and, and really just where they were in at their life and their business at the time, not even necessarily their ability. But if someone else hasn't quite gotten to that place, what would the advice you'd give them be like to move into that place of separation? So part of what we do, so I have, I have my, my work work. We also live on 85 acres. Five years ago, we moved from the city. We bought 85 acres. And then all of a sudden, like three years living here, we said, Hey, let's grow some lavender. And then, Hey, let's make some lavender essential oil. And so this is where I had the experience of when I was selling like my lavender product, I didn't have this attached feeling to selling the lavender. And all of a sudden it's like, it didn't matter. It didn't, if people liked it or didn't like it, it said nothing about me because I had this object that I was selling versus my IP that was invested in this information product. So because we sell services, what I would say is if there's a way, two things, one is look at how you can look at this as a product versus a service. And when you can make it look like a product, meaning something that's separate from you, it might've come of you, meaning it came from your ideas, but it's a product. It is not like there's a a distinct separation. So literally having this conversation with yourself around, this is not who I am. It is a separate product that I've created. Yes. From the intelligence and wisdom and expertise you bring to the table, which is all wonderful, but it says nothing about who I am, what value I bring or the worthiness I bring to the table. It is not a direct reflection. And then the second piece I would say, which is a practice that I think we can just take in life overall is the practice of non-attachment and really being cognizant that if someone says yes, if someone says no, it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> like it has like just literally being non-attached to the outcome and not taking it personally. Like there's no, because Brittany, if you say yes to this course or program or this information product or service, you're not actually buying me. You're buying the outcomes this product or service is actually committing. So we have to look at it that you're not even buying me. And the same is, same goes for when you say no. It's not that you're saying no to me. You're saying, I don't really want that transformation. That's not what I was looking for. And that, and again, it has nothing to do with who the person is doing the selling. That is perfect. And I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this up. So Finca, thank you. I would really like for you to tell us a little bit about your book because- when I first found out about you, that was the thing that was most intriguing to me. So tell us what it has done for your clients and for you and what people can expect from that. So Sell From Love is a book that helps you sell with confidence, learn how to magnetically attract clients and build a business 
that you love, but also feels in authentic integrity to who you are. And so I will say that the book shares a number of stories from client experiences, my own stories, because I think whatever we are out there to teach, we are also a lifelong student of. And so (laughs) I continue to learn how to be more in alignment to selling from love and how do you manage through the fear? Because that's the type of environment we live in. And if you are interested in learning more about the book, you can learn about it on sellfromlove.com or it's available on Amazon. Kinga, thank you so much. Thanks, Brittany, for having me. It was great having this conversation with you. Hey there, friends. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. My time with Kinga was fantastic, not only because we're both introverts and skip over the small talk and really enjoy going deep, but because we had a conversation that I would call full of nooks and crannies. It's all those little things that you think of when you hear someone talking about selling, but maybe they never quite get around to. And I really wanted to make sure that we addressed those in this interview for you guys because selling is such a touchy-feely thing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it brings up all the feelings, all the issues. And as a result, it can really mess with your head. So I hope that Finka's approach helps all of you guys. Until next week, have a great time and go check out that book. <laughs>